We thank you for visiting Christian Bible Temple and pray the following message speaks to your heart. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 9. Zechariah is easy to find if you go to Matthew. You just go forward a couple of verses. Silence, please. Book of Zechariah, chapter 9. And go to verse 9. Zechariah 9, 9. read together this morning this verse Zechariah 9 9 rejoice greatly O daughter of Zion shout O daughter of Jerusalem behold your king is coming to you he is just in having salvation lowly in riding on a donkey a colt the foal of a donkey <clears throat> May the Lord bless his precious word. This morning we are remembering Palm Sunday, as it is called. This is the joyous, happy apparition of Zion's king, the king of Zion. This is the day that the Lord Jesus Christ entered the city of Jerusalem triumphantly. As the prophecy here tells us in Zechariah, riding on a donkey. And this is one of the most amazing and most extraordinary of prophecies ever pronounced with regards to the Messiah, the Savior of the world. We take into consideration the fact that the book of Zechariah was written about six centuries before the uh, entrance before the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, around the year 520 before Christ. So like five or six centuries before Jesus was even born. Zechariah, or the Lord through the prophet Zechariah, predicted exactly that event that would happen. And we see the fulfillment of this prophecy in two of the Gospels. I mean, all of the Gospels mention the entrance of the Lord Jesus in, in, in Jerusalem, but two of the Gospels, Matthew and John, quote this prophecy in their texts. Uh, Matthew 21 and John 12. Uh, and so we see that the people's pro uh, acclamation also, when they call them, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, fulfilled uh, the words of Zechariah 9.9 and also the one from Psalm 118, verse 26. Okay, that's a messianic psalm. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And, and that was written a thousand years before Jesus was born. Okay, so this prophecy is older 
than the first one. Now, the Lord, the Lord's royal office is frequently mentioned in the scriptures and symbolized by kings like Melchizedek, David, and Solomon. And this is why he is called the king of glory, the king of Israel, the king of kings. Through David, he says, I have set my king on my holy hill, Zion. Psalm 2, verse 6. That's the first messianic psalm. Jeremiah, the prophet, says of him, A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. The Lord, our righteousness. Jehovah Tzidkenu. Jeremiah 23, verses 5 and 6. And last of all, Zechariah, through the prophetic lens, says, Rejoice gladly, O greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, and he is just, that means righteous, and having salvation, lowly and riding in a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So we see here, first of all, the royal office of the Redeemer. The royal office of the Redeemer. There are four ideas associated with royalty. First of all, supreme, a king has supreme dignity. A king is considered as the head of the nation. The Lord is the head of his spiritual empire. And men have been exalted in God's word and in his service to him, such as Moses, Elijah, Solomon, Daniel, and others. But Jesus is the Lord of that house where Moses was a servant. For it says, For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, meaning Jesus, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. We are told that in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 3. Jesus is the Lord of that house where Moses was a servant. He is Elijah's Lord and is greater than Solomon. All honor and glory belong to him. He is over everyone. And everything. That's why we're told in the New Testament that one day every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay? Those who today reject him, one day they're going to be forced to confess him. And he will not be as Savior any longer. He will be as judge. So we see here that he is over everyone and everything. He is the fairest over all the children of men and greater than the angels. In everything, he has the preeminence. He is the head of the body, the church, which is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. The preeminence. The Apostle Paul tells us in Colossians 1.18. So not only he has supreme dignity, but he has also, a king has legislative authority. 
He has the right to establish laws for the ruling of his kingdom. For this reason, the Father declared from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. In Matthew 17, his sermon on the mount gave evidence of his authority. Time and again, he says in the Sermon on the Mount, But I say unto you, you have heard that it has been said, this, 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 and that. But I say unto you. That should tell us right there that he is above everything that man says. His word is law, the law of the universe. Okay? Also, the people were astonished, it says in the Bible, because he spoke with authority, not like the scribes and the Pharisees. He spoke with authority. And you know, people can tell when somebody speaks properly with authority. The scribes and the Pharisees, all they did was just repeat things that this rabbi said, that rabbi said. They still do that with the Mishnah, the Talmud. They say, this rabbi says in the name of that rabbi, and it's a tangled mess. Why don't you come to the scriptures and see what God says? Amen? That's much better and much clearer, too. Okay? So we see also God's word tells us that the Father loves the Son and that all authority has been given, the Son says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. This is after he resurrected from the dead. Right as he was ascending, he says, all authority is given unto me in heaven and earth. So what did he do without authority? Bottle it up like some rulers in this world do? No. In that same breath, he said, all authority is given unto me. Now therefore go. He delegated the authority. And that's what we need to do also. We don't bottle up authority. We delegate it. All right? So we see that the Lord has legislative authority. And a king has unlimited wealth. Jesus is the Lord and the proprietor of all things. He is the owner of all things. And he owns every human being. Even the ones who don't believe in him. Little they know that regardless of what they believe, he is still their master. He is still the owner. Some people say, I don't believe. I try to be kind and say to them, but you will. Ten seconds after you are in hell. And I don't say that in a bad way to offend them, just to make them think. Okay? And besides, what we believe, what we think, doesn't determine who God is. God is regardless of what we think. Amen? He's an absolute. He's the absolute. Okay? So opinions don't matter with God. It's what he says that matters. So we see here that he is the Lord and the proprietor of all things, the owner of all things, and all the riches of nature and glory are his. His treasuries are unlimited, inexhaustible, and they are eternal. And then a king also has universal dominion. A king by right and name is nothing more than a shadow. Only by name, without subjects. Somebody says, I'm king, and he's got no subject? He's king of what? Nothing. 
So therefore, he's no king. Right? But you know that the Lord Jesus Christ has more subjects than any monarch in history, and he won every subject without one shot ever being fired. And he's still winning subjects today. Because even if nobody gets saved in this church today, people are being saved everywhere in the world. And then we have times when people get saved in this church too. Amen? So who's the one who does the saving? The Lord. We don't do the saving. We do the teaching, the preaching, the witnessing, but he brings the increase. Right? So we see here that he has universal dominion. Uh, Christ's absolute reign extends to the highest heaven and to the lowest hell and to the whole of the universe. But in his character as mediator, he has dominion over his church, for he dwells in her. What did he say? Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Now we have more than two or three here today, don't we? So where is the Lord here today? You're right here. Okay? We don't see him, but he sees us. And he sees you. And he sees me. Amen? David said, where shall I go from thy presence? If I go to the highest mountain, you are there. If I go to the deepest part of the sea, you are there. If I make myself wings and fly like, you know, in the morning, you are there. And even if I make my bed in hell, in Sheol, you are there. So don't ever think that because you hide under the bed, God is not going to see you. You can go in under your bed, you can go into your closet, you can go inside a cave or jump inside a volcano. He sees you. So make sure that you are at the right place at the right time. My grandfather, who loved the Lord, he used to tell people, why do you go to those places that you go to? Why do you go to the movies? Why do you go to the theater? What will you tell him if he came back today? See, he lived with a constant expectation that the Lord was going to come in his lifetime. He passed. He went to be with the Lord back in 1964. But we all must live that way, realizing that this might very well be the last day of our lives on earth. Now, the problem is that most of us think they're going to go on living for we're going to go on living, go on living forever in this on this earth, and that is not so. We're only one heartbeat away from eternity. So live your life, plan as if you're going to be here for the next 100 years. But live your life as though this were the last day of it on this earth. Amen? Then you live wisely. So we see here the Lord has universal dominion. Uh, 
he, he, uh, he uh, has dominion over his church. He is the head of the church. This morning, I parked my car in the corner there, and I'm coming out of my car, and I see a whole line of people going around the block over there. They were all going to that church in the corner there because it's Palm Sunday. They were going to do a procession. Those are the religious that go to church once a year. And I'm thinking, look at them. So early in the morning, and they're all lined up, lined up in the street. It was not even 9.30. It was 9.20. 925 and they're all lined up out there and I'm saying where are people I walked in here there was nobody here only Billy practicing the hymns even my deacons were not here today I beat them I made history but they're faithful here they're every Sunday they're here before me but I'm thinking you know Christians have to Christians come to church like this We should be more eager. Don't you think so? We should be here at 7 o'clock in the morning. What are you laughing at? We should be here at 7 o'clock in the morning. Say, doing what? <clears throat> I'll tell you what. Praying. We should be here at 7 o'clock in the morning. Praying. And asking the Lord to fill up this place. Really, we got hit with this COVID pandemonium, didn't we? People stayed away. They were afraid. They were whatever. I know mean, some people were sick. I know. Okay? We were all affected. Some of us in here got sick. But thank the Lord. You know one thing? One blessing? We did not lose anybody to the virus. Those who got sick recovered. You know Why? the Lord watches over us. Somebody, I was thinking the other day that people are afraid of this, they're afraid of that, they're fed up with this state and fed up with that state and they're going to go change, uh, you know, to go to another state or go to another country. What is the safest place in the world? I was thinking of a couple many years ago, uh, you probably don't remember, because that happened 40 years ago exactly, in 1982. A couple living in the United States, I forget what place, where, got fed up with all the crime and all the things that were going on, you know, all the corruption and all this and that, blah, blah, blah. So they moved. They, they sold everything. They packed their belongings and they moved. <clears throat> they went to the Falkland Islands. You know where the Falkland Islands are? In the middle of nowhere. They're 200 miles off the coast of Argentina. In Spanish, they're called Malvinas. In English, they're called, I mean, when I heard the Falkland Islands, I was like, where are the Falkland Islands? All my life, I heard Malvinas because I went to school in Argentina, right? So they moved to the Falkland Islands one month before the war started between England and Argentina. And the British invaded the Falkland Islands. So I'm thinking, you know what? You know where is the safest place on earth? The safest place on earth is when you are in the center of God's Not a geographical location, 
but the center of God's will. Because it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you or thou art with me. Okay? So we might be in the middle of the South Bronx or Harlem all by ourselves, and we are safer if we are in the center of God's will than if, if we live in some mansion up in Riverdale or, uh, what is it, uh, Fieldstone? So I'm glad you're here today because that tells me you want to be in the center of God's will. Amen? So the Lord has a universal dominion. After all, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Okay? So we see here that uh, his, in his character as mediator, he has dominion over his church. For he dwells in her. He administers all her affairs and receives her homage. Whom do we glorify today? The Lord. Do you know that self-glory is no glory at all? People who try to, you know, glorify, make, make it out in the world, that's no glory at all. That glory fades quickly. Quickly. And uh, subdues, the Lord subdues all his enemies, the enemies of the church, enlarges the parameters of the church, and will continue doing it till he returns when his kingdom shall fill the whole earth. One day, the Lord will reign. And nobody's going to have to say to anybody else, know the Lord, because all will know the Lord. Amen? So we see that the Lord, we saw the, the, uh, the offices of him as a king, as a king, uh, the royal office of the Redeemer has supreme dignity, legislative authority, unlimited wealth, and universal dominion. Secondly, we see the particular particular features of his character. And we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. First of all, he is just, meaning he is righteous. He is personally immaculate. You cannot find any fault with Jesus. Even as a man, you're perfect. The only perfect being that ever walked on this earth was the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, let me tell you something else. He was the best Jew that ever lived. Because he's the only Jew that fulfilled the whole law. Nobody else has been able to do it. Okay? He's personally immaculate, made in the likeness of sinful flesh but holy and without spot. His life was a display of this, of this perfection. His enemies confirmed it. You know that his enemies declared that he was perfect? Judas said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Not Peter or John. Judas, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Pilate's wife called him that just man. See that you have nothing to do with that just man, that righteous man. Pilate himself said, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. 
this righteous person. Pilate declared that he was a righteous person. His death was a display of justice. He died to justify the law. The kingdom, his kingdom, and his spiritual laws are all based on justice. You know, some laws that governments pass are unjust. I just finished reading a whole series of books about Christians who lived in the communist countries, especially communist Romania, communist Hungary, communist Czechoslovakia. And my goodness, what those people went through. We need, you know what we need to do? We need to get up every morning and bow down next to our bed and kiss the ground and say, thank you, Lord. God bless America. Thank you for the freedom you have given me. Because in some of those countries, you don't know what they go through or what they went through. Laws that they would pass would pass. And because somebody was a Christian, you as a father were a Christian, you went to jail. And then they came to your house and they took everything away and threw your family out into the street. And there, there was no welfare for those people. There was no help, nothing. They were roaming around the streets like nomads having nothing being rejected could not even get a job could not go to school and that was the law listen my own family grew up in Greece my grandmothers one of my grandmothers and my two grandfathers they were all born under Turkish occupation and girls were not allowed to go to school beyond second grade. My grandmother barely knew how to write her name, my, my father's mother. They never allowed them to go to school. My great-grandmother, too, she never went to school. But boy, she knew the Bible. She would witness to bishops and archbishops and prime ministers. And she was about this size. She knew the word of God. She learned to read just to read the Bible. And she had 11 children and buried five. Any one of you bury five children? And she loved the Lord. My grandfather, the preacher, he had nine children and buried two. Teenagers, 114, 117. There were three girls, six boys. My mom was one of the girls. The other two girls died. He loved the Lord. And he said, I can't bring them back. But one day, I'm going to go where they are. That was the one that used to say to them, Why are you going to the movies and the theaters? What would you tell them if he came back today? You know what? Like I told you, he went to be with the Lord in 1964. So he is with his two daughters today. We are blessed in this country, and many times we take things for granted. We need to thank the Lord every day. We need to thank the Lord every day for giving us all the blessings that he gives us. 
in his infinite wisdom, in his infinite mercy and love and grace. Never take for granted what God gives you. Even your children, you know your children are not yours? They're borrowed. Some people say, those are my children. Yeah, they're not yours. One day they're going to leave. They're going to make themselves wings and go away. That's the law of life. But if they do just that, well, amen. But sometimes God takes children away. Do you know that we as Christians have no rights? If we are believers, truly believers, all our rights belong to Jesus. He's our master. What did Job say when he lost all his children, all ten? The Lord gives, and the Lord what? Takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Always live with the right perspective. Amen? Children have been given to you for a time. They're lent. So you're responsible to bring them up properly. That's your responsibility. My mom and her grandma before her always used to say, the first school is the home. Amen? And after the home, the church. But first is the home. So make sure that you are training your children properly. Don't let the schools teach them. They can teach them how, how to add one plus one or two plus two and how to write out a sentence. They can teach them grammar and math. They can teach them geography and history, but don't let them teach them morals. That's your job. Amen? And if they ever teach them, like they're trying to groom the kids today, teach them sexual orientation and this and that, what business is that of theirs? If they do that in the school where you send your children, if you're not homeschooling them, if, you, if they do that, get them out of there. We have enough families here who homeschool their children. And if you need help, you ask for help, we'll connect you. Amen? You know the Jews, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, never allowed their children to study in Egyptian or Greek schools. Why not? Because they were idolaters. Who trained them? They trained them. Even to this day. You go to Israel, and you go to the synagogues, and you see the little puny things like that. A Andrew's age. And they're reciting in Hebrew. And the fathers are standing all around and going, Amen, Amen, Amen. But we Christians don't do that, do we? We need to. Okay? Now, the Lord is just, and even his enemies knew it. He died to justify the law. His kingdom and his spiritual laws are all based on justice. His kingdom is justice, peace, joy. He makes us just or righteous all his subjects. Not only he is just, but the Lord is meek and lowly. We see his humble estate, his home. He was born 
Though of royal descent, he was born in a humble home in Nazareth, in Bethlehem. First of all, he was born in a stable in Bethlehem. And then he grew up in a carpenter's home in Nazareth. His birthplace was totally insignificant. It was a cave where they had sheep. And his disciples, they were all from the populace. They were Galileans, which meant ignorant. They had never learned letters. The people he associated with were the lowest of the low, the rejects of society. He sat down and ate with publicans and sinners, and the religious people were offended. And what did he say to them? The sick are the ones who need the doctor, the physician, not the whole ones. He would sit down with the prostitutes and the publicans, the most hated people in society, the lowest of the low. And yet today I find some Christians who have pharisaical attitudes. Now that guy, he's a homosexual. I'm not condoning homosexuality. But the Lord Jesus Christ died for all. Even for the homosexual. He died for the adulterer. And to me, adultery is much worse because adultery involves betrayal of your spouse. He died for the idolater. He died for the extortioner. He died for the liar. He died for the rebel. He died for the lazy man. He died for the thief. He died for all people. There's only one sin that is going to send somebody to hell. You don't go to hell because you're a homosexual or an adulterer or a, you know, no, no, that's not the reason why you go to hell. You go to hell only for one reason. You go to hell for having rejected the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's why you go to hell. So there's a lot of moral people and good people that are in hell today because they rejected him. And you have prostitutes and, and, and all kinds of criminals that end up going to heaven because they gave their heart to Jesus and he changed them. That's why he came to this earth. That's why we're celebrating today Palm Sunday. He's coming to earth as a man to die on the cross for you and me so that we could be changed. And that's why he says, come unto me, all you who work and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me that I'm meek and lowly of heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. Take my yoke upon me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. What an invitation. Now, if he were not who he is, that would be bragging, wouldn't it? I'm meek and lowly of heart. You and I can't say that. We can't say I'm meek. Because the moment we say it, we stop being. You can't say, oh, I am humble. Because the moment you say it, you're proud. But he can say it. Because it's truth. Now, should we uh, be humble? Should we be humble? 
Yeah, we should. Should we be meek? Oh, yeah. What is a meek person? A meek person, I'll tell you what he is not. A meek person is not a weak person. A meek person is a person who has strength under control. And a meek person is one that has given up all his rights to the Lord. He has no rights. You hear people today say, I want what's in, what I'm entitled. I hate that. I hate that with every fiber of my Greek body. When I hear people say, I'm entitled to this. You're entitled to nothing. The Lord Jesus Christ was entitled to the whole universe because it's his, but he never claimed that. Our rights belong to him. Remember that. Release it. Let it go. You're going to be a much happier person. Amen? And after all, don't you know that the most miserable people are the ones that try to hold on to their rights? I have the right to do this. I have the And they suffer the rest of their lives being miserable. The day I learn to release, I'm, I'm happy. Amen? Learn it. Okay? And this also, that humility is illustrated in the case when the text was fulfilled. The introduction of horses, you know, he came riding on a donkey, right? Did he come into the city of Jerusalem riding on a donkey? Do you know why? One of the reasons is because the introduction of horses in Judea was forbidden by God in order to avoid their training for war and therefore trusting themselves. You read, how many of you have read the Old Testament? How many times don't you see something happening there and the Lord delivers the people of Israel in a very unbelievably miraculous way? Why? Every time the battle is the Lord's. And he did that so that they would not become proud and think they did it with their own arm. Remember Gideon and the 300? Oh my goodness. Hmm? What is the Lord teaching them every time? Teaching them that they needed to trust him, not in themselves. So he forbade horses being brought into Judea. And of course, Jerusalem is in Judea. And that's one of the reasons why. And that's why it also says, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we will remember the name of the Lord our God. Psalm 20, verse 7. Who wrote that? King David. But David, who wrote this psalm, he said that, and it was true. But then his son Solomon was the first to introduce horses in Judea in disobedience to God. Okay? And for that reason, Christ didn't come riding a chariot or a war horse, but came riding a donkey as a sign of humility and peace. Because also back in those times, when a king came riding on a horse, it meant what? War. But he came riding on a donkey as a sign of peace. When a king came riding on a donkey, he was coming to make peace. So the Lord came riding on a donkey because he came to give us peace. 
because he is the prince of peace. Okay? Um, it's a sign of humility and peace, and that's why it says he's just or righteous and having salvation. He's lowly. The salvation he was bringing was not to free the people from the Roman yoke, but from the yoke of sin and its horrible wages. Like uh, uh, Romans 6.23 tells us, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But they missed it and totally misunderstood him. And they're suffering the consequences even today, to this day. And also, he brings salvation. This was his greatest design. His principal object was to bring salvation. You shall call his name, his name Jesus. He did not come to condemn, but to save the world from their diseases, their demonic possessions, and the guilt and condemnation of sin. Having salvation in himself and in himself alone, abundantly and freely. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Everybody knows that verse, right? But then the following one says, For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might believe, might be saved. Okay? And the last thing is here is that the glad reception we should give him we must rejoice in his equity and justice. He will fulfill his word and all his promises. You know one thing you can be sure of? All the prophecies that had to do with his first coming have been fulfilled. Now, if he fulfilled all the prophecies that had to do with his first coming, you can rest assured that he's going to fulfill all the promise, prophecies that have to do with his second coming. Okay? So he, we must rejoice in his equity and justice. Secondly, we must rejoice in his humility. He will not despise the poor and the needy. It says in Isaiah, a bruised reed he will not break, and smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice and truth. Isaiah 42, 3. He does not reject anyone who comes to him. I don't care how weak that person is. The Lord doesn't reject him. Okay? And then we must rejoice that he has salvation. The, uh, do people rejoice when a liberator, liberator comes uh, to free them from the oppressor? He came to proclaim liberty to the captives and to the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Isaiah 61.1. Does a patient rejoice when an infallible, a good doctor comes near? Does the prodigal rejoice when he hears his father's forgiven voice? Sure they do. Okay, so we must rejoice in that he has salvation. But sadly, the multitudes that rejoice when he entered Jerusalem very soon follow their high priest demanding his crucifixion. The very people that scream, Hosanna to the king of Israel. Four days later, they was crying out, crucify him, crucify him. How fickle this world is. Never put your trust in man. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Men fail you. Every time they will. Put your trust in the Lord. 
he never fails. Never fails. Okay? However, one day soon, he will fulfill another of Zechariah's prophecies. Not chapter 9, verse 9, that was already fulfilled. He will fulfill Zechariah 12, verse 10. It says, Then they will look on me whom they pierced. Yes, they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son, and grieve for him as one grieves for the firstborn. One day the nation of Israel, they're going to look upon him whom they pierced, and they're going to weep. Because they're going to realize, oh, whom did we reject? You know who they rejected? They rejected the very God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But don't, let's not condemn them, because all the Gentiles have done the same thing. Finally, in truth, the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day it shall be the Lord is one and his name one. Zechariah 14.9 Therefore, let us rejoice in our king. Glory to his blessed name, the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and of those in heaven and on, uh, those on earth and those under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So today we come here, we came here to remember that beautiful time when he came into the city of Jerusalem triumphantly. And though he was crucified four days later, on the third day after that, he rose from the dead. So he triumphed. And 40 days after his resurrection, he ascended to heaven. And that's where he is today, interceding for you and for me. We serve a risen Savior. Amen? We don't have rituals here, traditions, and this and that, and parades and processions. Those things don't do a thing. We must have the truth in our hearts and live it out. The important thing is that we know him. That's what the Lord says. Don't boast about this and don't boast about that. If you want to boast about something, boast in that you know me. That is the greatest thing anybody can, can do and have in his, his or her life. That he can say, I know the Lord. Do you know him today? Father in heaven, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the tremendous sacrifice on the cross of Calvary for our sin. Thank you, dear Lord Jesus, for willingly putting your, your, your life down on the cross for us. Thank you for your precious blood that was shed abundantly on the cross. Thank you, dear Lord, because there is no greater love than that. We praise you and worship you this day. We thank you that we can remember, commemorate this Palm Sunday. We can remember why you came, not only when you came, but why you came. And we rejoice in your salvation. Thank you for this day, dear God, and for this service.
for every person that has come. We pray that you bless every home represented here today. Help us to love you every day more and more. And to love one another more and more. Bless as we conclude the service. And also the offering that we're about to receive today, Father. That you may bless it, multiply it, and multiply your blessings upon every giver today. For we ask it in Jesus' name, Lord. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message. And pray that the word of God spoke to your heart. To listen to previous sermons, please visit us at www.cbttbc.com or anchor.fm forward slash cbt hyphen sermons.